Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of the Medical Device Success podcast and videocast. I am Ted Newell, your host. Thank you very much for spending time with us today. Today's podcast is called Bridging the Virtual Gap, Connecting with Customers on Camera. Are virtual presentations going away as we believe we are getting control of the pandemic? Nope. A recent survey of hospital C-suite executives showed that 75% felt that virtual interactions with vendors is going to stay the same as 2020 or increase significantly. The same access problems are going to remain with physicians and other healthcare professionals. So today we are returning to the theme of virtual selling with the help of Julie Hansen, founder of Performance Sales and Training, and author of two, soon to be three, books on selling. What makes Julie different? She spent time as an actor, and then she transferred those acting skills into sales long before the pandemic. It just so happens that selling skills in front of the camera are more important than ever. Okay, so you think you have all the tools for selling virtually, but do you have the acting skills to make a difference in and around all those shared slides and videos? Her third book will focus on connecting via the camera. Julie's current books are listed in the show notes, and please rate this podcast and or recommend it to a friend if you think there's someone out there that could benefit from this information. By the way, I'm also the host of the MedTech Leaders Community. This is a non-LinkedIn community where MedTech leaders get together to help each other out by sharing best practices, problems, solutions, ideas, and successes. So if you're a leader or aspire to be a leader, you should take a look at the MedTech Leaders Community at medtechleaders.net. There is a 30-day free trial. At the expense of making this introduction a little bit too long, I want to tell listeners that cannot see Julie that she is positioned a little bit away from the camera so that the camera is taking a, an image of her for about mid-chest level and then up over her head. This gives her the ability to talk with her hands, which she does naturally, and it's very engaging, and it also helps her make her points. Now, let's meet up with Julie and learn how to connect more effectively through the camera. Welcome to the Medical Device Success Podcast and Videocast. It's great to have you on the program today. I think we're going to learn a lot. Well, thank you, Ted. It's great to be here. We've got lots to talk about for sure. We do. We'll see what we can fit in in, a, in the time that we have. But um, first of all, what I'd like to do is just you know introduce yourself briefly and a, a little bit about your uh, company, Performance Sales and Training. Sure. So I have been doing sales presentation, conversation, communication skills for about the past 11, 12 years uh, after a career in sales and a career as a professional actor, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about because it has much to do with the times today. 
I really have used that experience as an actor because it helped me so much as a salesperson and weave that into my training to help other salespeople really communicate at their highest level and uh, really understand how to move an audience authentically because the best actors are very authentic. And just the, the number of skills to help salespeople really stand out in their role and make those stronger connections that we need to, you know, build, build bonds today. Right. And part of your programming is not only direct consulting to a sales organization on the training side, but you also have classes. Right, right. So when this pandemic hit and everyone was struggling to find their voice and their style on camera, I, I've been teaching on camera skills in presentations for many years, but the number of people who were really doing it was pretty small. In fact, I would do workshops and say, you know, even people that did remote presentations, I'd say, okay, how many people use their camera? And it would be like, you know, two or three brave souls. The other were like, oh no, I don't want to be on camera. And so there was so much resistance. And certainly now that, you know, the, the options are limited, there's a, a bigger group that have to make that transition, like it or not. And I realized that a lot of the skills that people need are what I learned as an actor. So I created the Selling on Video Masterclass, which uses a lot of the techniques that I learned when I transitioned from theater to uh, film and television work as an actor, because it's a, a very different medium and it requires different skills if you really want to form a connection with your customer via the camera. Yeah, let's go back a little bit into your career because I think it's very, very interesting. You went to acting school. Then you started in New York City as an actor. But like a lot of actors, typically you hear them say, well, I waited tables or I did some other kind of job while I was trying to you know, move my acting career forward. But you were actually managing sales for a magazine. How did that happen? Well, I actually started, I was a salesperson really before I was an actor. Mm -hmm. And the reason I started acting was I had started in a, my career as a buyer. So I was, I was the person you talk to in sales. And, and I thought, gee, it looks like they're having a lot more fun on the other side of the desk. And so I thought that transition would be very natural because I like to, you know, get to know people and talk to them. And it was, and it was quite uh, surprisingly hard, <laughs> as I'm sure a lot of new sales people find, uh, you know, cold calling and, you know, having these handling objections, all these things that I didn't anticipate. So I was really struggling to find my voice, to, to feel confident in this new environment. And I thought, what is one thing I can do to just really jump into the fire and put myself out there and, and get comfortable and confident in front of people. And I thought, aha, acting. I liked acting as a kid. Why not? So I started taking some classes and lo and behold, it, it actually did so much for my sales career. It just, it helped me find my voice and feel confident and, and understand that, you know, it, it's about all acting is and all sales is about uh, conveying a message and emotion uh, and an intention to another person and trying to change their behavior or the way they think or impact them in some way, uh, using the best parts of yourself. 
So that really informed me as a salesperson. And I obviously, you know, did okay with that and worked into management. And then I just, I just started acting along the way. So by the time I moved to New York, um, I took a year off to just study professionally acting and, and did some shows and, and plays. And then I also worked leading a, a sales team at a magazine, which was an interesting experience because that magazine was the National Enquirer and Star Magazine. So lots nice. of stories there. <laughs> I'm sure. Lots of, lots of good stuff. Bye. Gossip. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's crazy. But, but sales is sales. Sales management is sales oh, management. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, well, I think that's an interesting uh, career path and the way you took into acting. And uh, for the listeners out there, uh, Julie did some pretty good acting roles on Broadway and then eventually in TV. So it wasn't any lightweight stuff. But well, then eventually, off, off Broadway, Ted. I have to correct off, you there. Well, off, off Broadway, off. but off Broadway, gosh, there's great stuff well, off Broadway, right? Uh, absolutely, it was it was a great experience. I loved it. Um, but I had. I had worked in business for so long. I did not have the uh, the starving artist mentality. I was not willing to live in a uh, apartment with five other people and scramble for jobs. So uh, it was for me. It was very interesting. It was the the psychology of it, the the um, tactics of it, and the application of that in sales has been so interesting and rewarding because. I find it really resonates with with the salespeople that I've worked with. And so so that's been great to be able to combine those two careers and, and really feel like I'm doing some good. Well, that's great. And then you moved into sales training. You had several different uh, sales training roles. And then about 10 years ago, you opened up um, your current, the company that you founded, uh, Performance Sales and Training, which is where you are now. Another thing I want to mention to people is that you are a highly regarded keynote speaker. You're like you're a top 50 um, uh, keynote speaker, according to one of the organizations that that ranks these uh, types of things. So that you must be doing that fairly often. I don't know what it's like in a virtual world, but you were doing it in the non-virtual world. Yes, yes. Um, yes, and that's in the, you know, the, the sales speaker world. I, I don't think I'm right. the top with Tony Robbins. <laughs> right. No, I understand that. I get it. That, yes. But in my, in my world, it's very, it's, you know, I'm very proud of that. I do, especially this time of year, I do a lot of sales kickoffs. And um, it's funny when you say, do I do much virtual? It's actually a lot more because, you know, before, if you had to speak somewhere, you'd spend a day traveling and you'd get there and you'd speak and you'd spend the day getting back. So you couldn't do that many events. You had to turn down a lot of things. So now, you know, it's an hour keynote. Uh, you can do several a day if you have to. Right. Uh, so it's fun. Um, it's still, you know, it's still uh, as much work because you have to bring even more energy to these virtual events and really plan it out carefully so that it's as interactive and as engaging as, as it possibly can be. Exactly. Exactly. Then COVID hits. And what kind of calls did you start getting? Oh my God! I'm, a, I'm. What do I do with this camera in my face? I. I don't. I hate the way I look. I hate the way I sound. What do I, What do I do? Uh, so it was different. You know, it was calls from salespeople. It was calls from sales managers. 
um, you know, the sales managers, it would typically be, uh, you know, I'm on this team call with salespeople and they're, you know, I, I just, I don't want them showing up this way. I don't think they realize how they're showing up, how they're coming across. They're not, you know, they don't look at the camera when they're talking. They can't be doing that to customers. That doesn't feel good. You know, things don't look professional, what have you. They're doing things that are distracting. And for salespeople, it was a lot of, a lot of them didn't have much help from their management. Uh, I'll take this back. They had a lot of help in terms of, here's your platform. Here's all this technology. Here's all these tools. Go get them on video. But no understanding that actually speaking on video and connecting with another person requires a whole set of new skills. It's not as easy, and I think people are now finding that out, as turning your camera on. Uh, To try to recreate that kind of in-person connection through the camera, it it takes some different skills. So if you're just doing what you did live and you're just turning the camera on, you're missing the point. And the sellers recognize that. They'd be like, you know what? I just, I feel awkward. I feel uncomfortable. I've got all the tools. Why am I so bad at this? And it's like, you know, speaking on camera is an unnatural act. And nobody is born knowing how to do it. And the fact that we think our salespeople should just, you know, be able to turn their camera on and light up the virtual stage is is really unfair. And so I've tried to shed some light on that and provide some tools to help make that transition much easier. Sure, sure. And what I'd like to do is I'm just going to share my screen and briefly um, show a slide. This is all part of what we call demand generation, you know, the virtual sales presentation, virtual prospecting, and so on. And and yeah. these are the these are the challenges that we have, especially in med tech. You know, we cannot prospect face to face. But this is what we're talking about today: is that field sales forces a lot, some of them still lack the tools and the training to prospect virtually. And even though they're given a a license to use Zoom or GoToMeeting or whatever platform they're going to give. The company does give them a license to do that. And they're, they're, they're thrown perhaps a deck of um, PowerPoint slides that they're supposed to use. It's part of the quality system mm-hmm. in terms of representing the claims related to the products and so on. But even those PowerPoint slides aren't organized very well. They're not set up into sections. They don't have navigation buttons. So sometimes a sales rep is flipping through these slides uh, on the slides that perhaps don't really relate to what they want to talk about specifically to a particular customer. doesn't look really professional. And then it's this whole nuance that you're talking about here of of talking to somebody, you know, via video. And I won't go into all these, these other particular points. Um, webinars, of course, that's an interesting issue too, because if a sales representative or a marketing person is taking place in a webinar, they want to have, you know, the skills to communicate effectively too. But these are the challenges that we have. And it's yeah. one thing to be given tools it's another thing to practice and be given the skills. So I'll, I'll get off this slide here for a moment. For example, you sound very clear and obviously your background is very intentional. And I don't know if we want to jump into that yet, but sure. what kind of microphone are you using? I am using a Jabra, Jabra or Jabra yes. uh, Echo, which is, which is great for um, webinars and, and, customer interactions because it's a great speaker and it's also uh, a great microphone. 
No, it sounds it sounds very good. You don't have the uh, the, the tinny. The, yeah, yeah, that you get from some computers and also from telephone and so on and so forth. Right, right. right. And, yeah, you know, the, the goal is with all the technology and all the tools and the background and everything. The goal is to make it as easy as possible for your customer to hear you, see you, um, understand you. So, uh, so everything that supports that you have to make sure is tip top. Doesn't mean you have to spend a ton of money, but it's it's absolutely vital. Those are the basics, and I still see a lot of people missing on the you know the basics today. And one of the things you mentioned earlier, and in conversations that we've had, is that the difference between like stage acting and then TV acting, and you and you made the point that all stage actors, if they're shifting into TV, they will take TV acting courses because there is a difference. And now we have the difference for us and, you know, salespeople in the field, marketing people that are, and, and other professionals, med tech professionals that have to communicate. Maybe it's even communicating in your own meetings, you know, communicating to other people, you're having a sales meeting, you're having a, a C-suite meeting of some type, but just even in that kind of communication, there's a difference between face-to-face and virtual or, or working through a camera. So, you know, what are the nuances? Let's talk a little bit more about those nuances, those differences. Sure. You know, and, and I'll just share with you on that note, my, my experience as an actor, just transitioning from stage to film, I didn't think it would be any big deal. Uh, so I had been acting on stage for many years when I, got my chance to audition for a small film. And I went into the audition feeling very confident. And I got in that room and they turned the camera on (laughs) and said, action. And, uh, you know, I was like a deer in headlights. I didn't, I was just staring at this black box and I didn't know if I should blink, not blink, if I could look away. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do with my hands. It was just so awkward. Needless to say, I did not get that part. (laughs) But I did, as you said, I took some on-camera technique classes to help me understand how to communicate in the confines of this very narrow medium, because it it is just absolutely different. The camera reads things different. It reads, um, you know, it takes away a lot of people's energy, which most people don't realize. Um, And it's also just a more confined space. So things are magnified and all those things have to be taken into account or it's going to be a very flat uh, performance or interaction that's not going to move anyone to make any type of changes. <laughs> right. So, some nuances around that. And like right now, do you feel like I'm looking at you? I do. I okay. do. Um, yes. So I'm going to glance at your image. I've been looking at my camera, obviously. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask you the same thing because you 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 appear like you're looking right into the screen but you are also looking at your camera. Absolutely. And okay. there, there is no shortcut around this. If you want the other person to feel like you are looking at them and you are listening to them, you have to look at the camera, wherever that camera is for you. Um, I find that most people's cameras, first of all, cameras and laptops are usually not very good. So I um, recommend a, a webcam. And uh, positioning it, certainly, you know, at eye level, and you're not going to be able to probably match it up exactly with the other person's eyes. That's just not the reality today. 
So you have to learn how to make eye contact with that camera and really project that other person's image into the camera and also use your peripheral vision to read that body language. So oh. it's, a skill, it's a skill that most people don't, you know, they, they don't know the, the tactics behind it. They don't, they, don't, um, they don't know how to do it. And so there's a lot of practicing going on, practicing on customers out there. And a lot of people doing the, you know, camera image, camera image, which gives across a very suspicious kind of impression, which we don't want to convey in sales, right? Uh, so, you know, eye contact is is one of the key building blocks of a relationship. So to leave that out or to leave that to chance or to do it poorly on a customer interaction is is really putting you at a disadvantage. And I think now there's a real opportunity for people who can master that to make customers feel very connected in a way that other sales reps are not doing because there's a lot of people still trying to figure this out. And it is, it is difficult because I really want to look back down. Like you can see the difference, right? When I look now oh, yeah. looking at the screen, I really want to look at, look at your picture and the comment about being able to watch somebody's body language peripherally. Yeah. It is tough to just look at the camera. I'm getting better and better at it. Uh, but it is, it is not, Human nature, I guess, is what I should say. Well, it's when, not, and yeah. absolutely, and that's why you have to have a strong technique to support that. Because uh, biologically, we are drawn to a human face, so you're not going to choose a black dot over a human face by by nature. So you have to have a technique that that helps you to make that uh, you know project that image in your mind to that camera and understand that how your peripheral vision works and how you can gain some trust in that, that, that you will be able to see some of the major changes in body language if you're still looking at the camera. doesn't mean we don't want to occasionally check down for, for body language, but there's times you need to know when to look at the camera and when it's okay to look away. For instance, right. I, I see a lot of conversations where uh, the, the salesperson is talking to the camera, you know, when they're speaking, and then when the customer is speaking, they're looking at their image. And while I, I understand the, the motivation there, if you are telling me something about yourself, about your business, a problem that you're experiencing, and I'm not looking at you, it feels, even though you may intuitively know, you know, she's probably looking at my image, it feels like you're not paying attention, right? Or you're not that interested, or maybe you're checking email. Um, so it's not an intellectual process, right? It's just how, it's how does your customer feel if you're not looking at them when they're sharing something important? Right. You know, one thing I frequently do when I have a Zoom meeting is because I'm taking notes, you know, I look down and I take notes, but I do know that people look down and they're checking their phone or they're checking email or something. So I frequently will, I'll tell, I try to always remember to tell people, um, look, I'm going to be taking some notes if that's okay. I'm not, and I'll even say, I'm not checking my phone, <laughs> but I'll, I'll point that out just to make sure they understand that they have my attention and uh, that I'm doing something that's pertinent to the conversation that we're having. Right. Um, and that, that's a great practice to let people know. And and also, I, I think it's helpful if you're if you're doing a discovery call with someone or um, there's a, there's a lot of information you want to take down. 
if it's possible, and I know in healthcare it's a little tricky, but if you can possibly record it so you can transcribe it, that's super helpful. And then you don't have to break that connection constantly to to write things down. And and besides, I write things down when I'm on camera and I look at them later. And I'm like, what does that say? <laughs> <laughs> I can't read the half of it. So Right, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about the, you know, we're sort of moving in this direction, but let's talk about what the elements are of a good virtual presentation, because you mentioned a number of things, you know, we're talking about projecting authenticity and confidence um, and some other things. What are some of these elements that are so important? You you have to look at a virtual presentation as a a different animal. Again, it's, you, you can't necessarily just take the slides that you used in person and throw them on the screen and, and think that's going to be effective. Oftentimes, many of the slides that we used don't need to be in a virtual presentation. You're much better off served by just having yourself full camera because you want to look for opportunities to connect. And if you're, you know, if the screen is mostly your slide and you're this little square up in the corner, you're missing a lot of those opportunities. So I see a heavy reliance on slides. And when we were in person, Uh, you know, people could split the difference, right? They could get all of our body language and facial expression, the benefit of that and the slides, and they could go back and forth. Well, now it's a, it's a choice and the, and the, you're the smaller choice and they're not really going to get much context from your, your face or your body language. So look for those opportunities to maybe pare down that deck. Think about, does this slide really add value or is it more valuable for me to say this and have a, a, a chat about this particular subject, you know, cause we've all got those. Well, I'll speak for myself. We have these slides that have like one line on them or two facts. And is that really necessary for the customer to stare at that for five minutes while you're talking up in the corner? I don't think so. What about moving in and out of the presentation? So you've shown several slides, but then pur- purposely um, quit sharing so then maybe you can summarize the points and or really yes. inter- engage with the customer or whoever your um, audience is really engage with them to understand if they under- if they understand what you've talked about, if they have any questions. What about moving in and out a little bit more regularly? Absolutely. I think that and I think that has to be structured that way for just the reasons you said to uh, first of all, to break things up because people's attention spans are. Uh, very taxed and very short. And I like to create what I call kind of snack size presentations. So we've got a little snack size. We break our topics down into smaller chunks. And maybe I've got a couple slides for this chunk. And then I go back to full camera and we summarize, introduce the next chunk. So it, it breaks things up and it does allow you to, you know, use your camera, full camera and really uh, reconnect at those points too. So, yes, absolutely. And also uh, for virtual presentations, it requires a lot more planning in terms of engagement. Uh, I I don't know if you've noticed this, Ted, but I I certainly have. And I know many salespeople have. But customers are much more passive in this virtual environment. And 
right? Uh, are you hearing that as well? Are you experiencing that? Well, you even you even see it. It's um, I, and I think I watched one of your videos, and you you talk about this this um, phenomena. I forget what you called it. You you gave the name. You gave the face resting, a, a certain kind of name. Resting business face. There you go. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> resting business face, and it's there not very go. important. It's not very impressive because we're just in this two dimensional thing, right? Right, right. It's that very. It's it's a blank. It's that blank video face that uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're bored or uninterested, but it's the face that we approach a screen with. That we are. Uh, we have just trained ourselves when we sit in front of a screen that we are consumers of information, and so we have our consumption face on, right? Unless you're the presenter. Although I see a lot of presenters that have, you know, resting business face as well, which we need to work on. <laughs> Right. right. Um, so it's just a natural phenomenon. And, and the problem is you see that as a presenter. And what do you do? Start to panic. Right. It's like, oh, my God, this person looks bored. I got And you start rushing and you get nervous and you leave things out or you, you stop. You don't even pause or you check in. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Until, you know, it just feels a little off putting to your audience. So we have to understand that that is. Um, how people approach virtual presentations, especially as a customer. If you, if I know you're going to present something, I'm in my consumer mode, my consumption mode. So taking that into account doesn't mean you don't want to check in, certainly if it's pervasive. But once you have ascertained that they are responsive when you ask questions, they are listening, um, you need to just not take that as a commentary on your presentation and understand that they are consuming right now. And you also need to plan out how you're going to engage them. I often hear salespeople say, oh, it was the worst, uh, you know, this group, like, you know, they didn't interact at all. And, you know, it's not really their job to do that. <laughs> it's our job to make customers want to interact and engage. And there's many things you can do to make sure that that happens, but it takes some planning. And, uh, you know, whereas you may be, may have been able to easily come up with questions, in, you know, off the top of your head in person, I highly recommend you plan those out and when you're going to ask them, even just as a fallback measure virtually, because there are so many things going on that you're trying to manage. You're trying to manage slides and checking your audience and, you know, um, making sure you're connecting with the camera. So leaving that to chance is very, very risky in a virtual presentation. So can you give a couple examples of engagement strategies? So one that you just mentioned is be sure that you have a few questions ready to go, like, and perhaps it's in these little breaks that you take from the slides, but what other, what other advice would you give to trying to enhance engagement? Uh, one thing is very important is when you do ask a question is to pause and to pause longer than you feel is necessary or is comfortable at all. Uh, because what's happening is many salespeople pause, they get uncomfortable and then they answer that question themselves. Right. Okay. Once you start doing that, you're dead in the water. You might as, you're going to have to do it the rest of the presentation because you are training your audience how you expect them to participate. So you need to take that pause uh, and really understand that what's happening on your customer's end is, first of all, they didn't necessarily expect a question. They don't know your script. So they just got a question. They're processing it, thinking about 
how it applies to them, if they want to answer. And then if there's someone else on the call, if you have a group of people, they're thinking, well, I bet Ted's going to answer this. And they're waiting. And then they're like, well, I guess Ted's not going to answer it. I guess I could answer it. So there's this whole process going on that you're not allowing to happen by rushing in and filling it with your answer. So that's that's very important to understand that as a presenter, what's taking place. Um, also, as far as engagement, you know, just using using some of the tools, annotations, using the you know whatever platform you're in with the Zoom tools or in PowerPoint or the pen. Um, you know, just thinking about this is your this is your virtual stage, right? This is all your audience sees of you and your message, and that's all they know. And it's also very limited. Um, there's not much going on. Usually, when we look at a screen as an audience, there's you know there's action and there's things going on. And, and in a presentation, it can be you know a slide, a slide <laughs> can be right. That's a slower pace than we're used to. Um, and if you can just break that up with any kind of movement, even if it's just writing on the screen, it's very compelling. I, I, you know, there's all these videos going around on uh, Twitter and TikTok of people drawing just simple, you know, and it's I don't know what it what it is about it. But something in our brain goes, oh, that's so fascinating. You know, it's mesmerizing to watch somebody draw or, or move things around. So using that tool and learning how to do that well is, is uh, very important, I think. And that does take practice. Yes. And practicing that don't practice that for the first time on your customer. Absolutely. Right. And then you, you talk about making an emotional connection virtually, and we've just been talking about some of the obstacles to making an emotional connection, which is just the virtual system itself the so-called flat virtual or consuming face that somebody has on the other side of the screen. Um, what are some ways to make an emotional connection with somebody to help, you know, enhance the communication, make it more memorable and to create uh, build relationship? That's yeah, that is a big question and lots of things contribute to that. I would say, first of all, that eye contact is step one. You, you have to have eye contact as a, as a starter. And, and it has to be not, I'm just looking into the abyss kind of eye contact. Uh, yes, you're looking in the right direction, but we can read uh, a lot of context from people's eye movements and what's behind the scenes. I mean, they, the saying, you know, the eyes are the window to your soul is not just you know, it wasn't invented for nothing. It absolutely tells us a lot about you. So if you're not aligned with how you feel and what your intention is, if your intention is to empathize and help this person, if you're focused on that, it's going to come through in your eyes. If you're just pretending to be present and you're really thinking about your next slide and which, okay, I'm going to say this and he's going to say that, your eye contact is going to be much different and your customer's not going to know why. They're just not going to feel that type of connection as they would if you were really present for them. Uh, so that is the goal of any of the training I do is just to give you the techniques to help you facilitate that type of conversation and practice it so that then when you're on camera, you can let go and be, you know, have the, the muscle memory of what you should be doing in this confined space 
and be able to be really focused on your customer just like you would in a live conversation. However, there are some things that we need to know that are different in this medium. Um, oftentimes when we're face to face, we can we can see some of those smaller movements, like if we just have a hint of a smile or something. But oddly enough, a smile is something that you have to really commit to for somebody to tell you're smiling. Uh, I'll often tell people, uh, I'll say they'll share something, you know, in a presentation. Um, we're gonna we're gonna save you a hundred thousand dollars a year with this this flat kind of face, and I'll say. You know, is that good news or bad news? Because yeah. on your face, I have no idea. <laughs> and they're like, well, I was smiling. It's like, no, you actually weren't. So oftentimes we think we're smiling or we think we have an expression that that shows empathy. But but it's not coming across. If you're really smiling, you should be able to feel, you know, the corners of your mouth turn up or it's not working or it's not going to come across, which means not that you have to fake it because you want to have that real impulse, but you have to learn to uh, push it about 10 or 20% so that it communicates across the camera. Uh, the same thing with if I'm empathizing with someone, we can't hear those little sounds maybe we made when somebody was, when we were having that that one-on-one -on -one conversation across from each other because of the limitations of the, you know, the two way conversation. So if you're talking, I, I, you won't hear me talking or it's very muddled. So those little things where we used to say, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm, yes. Those get lost. Don't, and you may be uh-huhing all your, you know, all day long, but they're not getting that. So you have to find other ways to show them you're empathizing, whether it's, you know, nodding your head or, or really letting your face express how you feel like, Oh, really? You know, um, doesn't mean you can't use those little nuances, but don't assume that's going to communicate and to be able to access those, you know, that full range of expression and that commitment to the conversation that you need to be really present. You have to, you have to be prepared, right? You have to, you have to just physically be warmed up and be in an energized state and make sure you you know, warmed up your muscles. So they're just, you know, it's just part of your natural repertoire of expression. And you have to be mentally prepared to think about what, what is at stake for this person and how am I helping them? And what, why does it matter? And oh my gosh, that's, you know, it must be a very, you know, painful so that I can really communicate that. So it's not just intellectual. Well, one thing I noticed is that you have yourself set up um, so that you can talk a little bit with your hands and the viewer can see that. So that creates some action when you're talking. So I'm talking with my hands right now, but they're a little bit low. I'd have to bring them up a little higher or set my camera up a little bit differently. But I, I think that's interesting. And one, one thing I'd have to say to listeners is I do use um, embedded videos for emails and so I'm taking a video of myself explaining something to somebody that I'm trying to communicate with, and then I go back and edit it. And when I'm when I'm actually talking to the video, I, I think I'm moving my head a little bit, and I'm creating some motion and some activity. Then when I go back and look at the video, I'm pretty darn flat. I'm 
I'm not moving. I'm not moving as much as I think I am. Like the anchors on a news program, they seem to be very well trained to be moving their heads a little bit this way or that way to keep your attention and to emphasize certain points. But I notice I'm a lot flatter than I think I am when I'm doing it. And so right. I just, I just have to keep working at it. Yes. And that, that's great that you review those because that's, it's very hard to judge yourself uh, just based on how you feel. Uh, like I said, you may feel like you're smiling. You may feel like you're moving, uh, but what translates on camera is the reality. So you need often someone else to help you with that or to record it and look at it objectively, which is really hard to do with yourself. Uh, but to understand what the other person is seeing. And it, and it is important to understand movement on camera. Like we talked about, there's just, there's not a lot of movement. So you can use your body language. And I hear a lot of misguided advice out there about movement. There's uh, a lot of, you know, trainers that say, oh, you know, don't use your hands, you know, don't, don't use your hands at all. Well, and so I get a lot of salespeople on my coaching calls that are, you know, they're, they're delivering their presentation and they're very flat and very tense. And I say, you know, wait a minute, do you ever use your hands? Oh, I use my hands all the time to talk, but I was told I shouldn't use my hands. And so they're putting, spending all this energy trying not to move, which <laughs> makes them very tense and very flat. And so the, the trick is with movement, uh, you know, movement gives context to what you're saying. And you can use it for a number of things. You can use it to like physicalize ideas. Like we're going to take your sales from here to here, right? Or I've got three things we're going to talk about or to just emphasize certain points. So you don't want to take that away, but you do need to understand that you have to work within the confines and that the camera likes slow, purposeful, precise movement. So you don't want a lot of this. Uh, you don't want a lot of, you know, you don't want to, I see a lot of people doing, you know, towards the camera. And uh, as you can see, that doesn't read well. Objects appear larger than they are. And it's it's distracting. And what those things do, or you're doing a lot of gesturing outside of the frame, all those do is remind people that you are, in fact, communicating in this artificial environment. You're not sitting across from each other having a cup of coffee. Uh, and right. it's just and by the way, for listeners, uh, Julie's been giving examples of this with her hands as she's been talking through this. Of course, you can't see it if you're a listener. If you get to see the, if you see the video cast, then you're you're witnessing it now. But I have to agree with you because um, if you want to use your fingers to make points, you you do have to bring it. You know, if you were face to face, you would you have this whole area between you and the person that's more three dimensional, and you can you know say one with one finger, two with the third, you know, second, three with the third. But in the video, you almost have to bring it up beside your head. You know, one, two, three. So I, I agree. It's a it's a totally different uh, animal. So yeah. So it's a technique, and it's all about your you know your setup and your frame and understanding what's going to read in the flame and what your live space is and how to work in that. I see a lot of people gesturing just down here at the bottom of the screen. And while that may be helpful for you, it's, it's distracting, right? It doesn't, it doesn't add anything to your audience's understanding. And all it does is create this distraction kind of popping in and out of the screen. So um, lots of nuances there. And along the lines of movement, I've uh, been working with, you know, some healthcare companies we talked about earlier 
And um, some of them have uh, products that they're showing or equipment. And, you know, that's the same thing. You have to understand how to show that in this virtual space. That's a, uh, there's some very specific, you know, techniques to learn around that because I, I worked with this whole team and they were sharing, you know, showing these uh, brochures and medical products. And some of them were, they were taking out of the packaging and while they were doing it, it was so close to the microphone. I was like, ah, I don't need to hear that package shredding, right? As you're, as you're talking. Right. Uh, or you're holding the package, but the glare on it is so extreme. I can't see what it is. Or you're talking to your package instead of talking to me and holding it up. Um, so it's, you know, there's that added element if you are working with equipment of any kind to understand how that reads on camera. And you have to, you can't just, um, you know, you can't just hold something up and go, so we have this brochure and then, you know, I see a lot of that. It's like, well, wait, I didn't see it. You didn't hold it up long enough. It's not in the right position. Uh, so you have to understand what's happening on the other side of the camera and, and really take the time to um, structure that and position those things accordingly so that you can get, you know, they make the most impact on your audience. Otherwise, you know, don't show it. Exactly. This is really great stuff. So how do you work with sales teams and other teams? I'm, I'm sure you work with, you know, general corporate teams. It doesn't have to just be sales, but how do you work with them to enhance their virtual presentations? Yes. Yeah, so that's a great question. And you're right. It doesn't have to be just sales teams. In fact, the last, the healthcare company I worked with, I worked with a lot of their nurses that were you know, having these client interactions virtually and showing them how to use equipment, same skills. They seem to, they need to make those connections as well. So what I, what I like to do is work with the masterclass, the selling on video masterclass is this uh, session of about 12 videos and it goes through how to make eye contact, how to use body language, how to transition between slides without losing your audience, um, how to get com comfortable in front of the camera, what energy reads well uh, so it lays the groundwork, lays the foundation. And then I work with those sales teams or, or business professionals on coaching calls to help them actually apply that. The masterclass gives them some exercises to do on their own and some self-evaluations. But it's very difficult to coach yourself on video. So we get on some calls. I have them do their presentation. And we we stop and start and fix things. And I give them, you know, uh, adjustments. That's generally how it works. Or we do a big group session. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of sales kickoffs. And so we'll do a big group session and do some, some breakout coaching on that. So lots of different ways to do it, but it, it is about learning those, those foundational steps first, and then putting those into practice, like anything else, practicing, you know, getting some feedback, practicing some more, adding some new techniques as you master the, the first ones. So it's a process with a lot of companies. And for people that are listening, can anyone learn these skills? Absolutely. If you've learned to drive a car, tie your shoe, it's, you know, there's skills. There's, they're, they're just, they just feel awkward because you haven't had to do them before. Right. Um, so with the right tools, I, I just, I try to be very tactical because you know, there's a lot of general advice out there like, well, just look at the camera. 
Well, if that was enough, then we'd all be doing this great, wouldn't we? <laughs> you know, if there's not some steps behind it that help me get comfortable with that and understand how I'm going to read body language at the same time, I'm not going to do it as a salesperson. So, so yes, with the right techniques and, uh, you know, starting you in the right direction and the desire to want to increase your connection with your customers so that you practice it and keep applying that, you absolutely can learn it. Um, knowing the techniques and then practicing it. And I would say for just in, in the interim, you know, practice on calls that don't have as much importance to them. Ta- practice on calls with your team. You should be using, you know, practicing great eye contact, um, body movement, uh, expression, and, you know, using those opportunities to get comfortable so you don't have to just try this out with customers because that's not where you want to where you want to practice these skills. Maybe have your teenage kids help you out because some of them are really good at acting on virtual platforms. True, true. They're, they're comfortable. I don't know if they're better because a lot of people get, they think being comfortable on camera is the goal. And I would say it's not being comfortable, it's being confident. That's a different energy to it. Because if we're comfortable, we're already at home, we're maybe in our comfy chair. And if we, if we think about being comfortable, our energy is going to go down. You know, our ability to connect is going to diminish. My voice gets duller. I don't want you to be terribly uncomfortable, but it's not uh, it's not a a state that is without any tension. There's positive tension because you're really engaged. So um, being comfortable in the medium is one thing, but but that comfortable. Oh, hey, how you doing? Kind of laid back does not read well on camera. Especially. Yeah, they don't Absolutely. Take off, but it's not uh, it's not good on camera. Right, <laughs> right, right. So let's see another question I had for you as we get close to wrapping this up. We've really covered a lot of great stuff. Oh, one one of the questions I should have asked this actually earlier is we were talking about reading body language and we we've had a little bit about that the flat face and so on and some of the misconceptions. I think we did cover that pretty well. Any other comments on that? I would just say it's it's a whole new world, I, and um, I've got a new book coming out, which I think we were going to talk about. Uh, exactly, about yeah. You know, and part of it is about reading and misinterpreting body language. Uh, it, it really it, things mean different things on camera. So understanding what the vocabulary is, like the the resting business face, may or not may may or may not be a commentary on your presentation, right? How do you handle that? When should you dive in and check body language out? What should you let go? What should you acknowledge? Um, so yes, it's there's a there's a lot more to it, indeed. And by the way, for all the listeners and viewers, there are show notes, and in the show notes, there will be uh, Julie's LinkedIn link. There'll be a, a link to her website, and where there are also some interesting uh, short videos and other information about classes. And I think you've had another book in the past or two. So there's, uh, there's other publications, but tell us about this, um, this new book you've got that you're working on. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm very excited about it because it allows me to just answer all the questions that I've been asked over the past year and all the take all the, you know, thousands of coaching calls and, and put those techniques into a, uh, one place. So it really is walking through that whole process of transitioning from face to face to virtual 
and it's meeting sellers where they are right now, which is frustrated. This is not what I was promised. This is not why I got into sales. Things are, you know, we all were kind of gung ho. Okay, we're going to do this in the beginning. And they're not establishing those connections. They're not getting the the impact or the feeling that they used to have that that really motivated them in sales. And uh, and customers feel it too. So how can we use these techniques to really create as near an in-person experience as possible in this virtual world? Because likely the future is going to hold a, a lot of this, uh, maybe a mixture of, of live and virtual eventually here, but this is, you know, the genie's not going back in the bottle. So uh, I think a lot of salespeople sort of grudgingly went along with it for a while. It's like, okay, I need to get serious about this. If this is, this is, this is what we've got and I'm losing deals because I'm not forming these connections, then it's time to, you know, buck up and see what I need to learn. So it's full of all the tactics that we talked about and more on, on, on all these subjects and, and some details about, you know, just keeping audiences engaged and increasing interaction and how to transition from, you know, just all the little nuances that we have to face when we're doing our own little sales video show here. Yeah. And, um, a recent study of, hospital professional uh, hospital professionals indicated that over 50% of them expected virtual communication to actually stay at current levels or increase after the pandemic. So mm-hmm. in the med tech world, it's going to continue to be a very strong platform for communication and it will be expected. So it's going to be a skill people have to have. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, I think we took it a little like you know a, a tentative. You know, I'll, I'll do what I need to do to patch, get through this rough patch. But yes, it's here to stay. And and I think the early adopters who really excel at this and realize it's a skill. These are techniques. Um, it's not some people are just good at it and oh well. That's not how it is. The early adopters are going to get that advantage in terms of building those relationships early. So um, I. I uh, applaud those people that take it seriously and dive in there and do what they need to do to support their teams in this effort. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate the time you've spent with us today and the things that you've shared. I think it's really, really quite valuable and people just need to know that it's more than the platform and more than the tools you've been given, but you have to understand how to engage with people via the camera. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Ted. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you about this. Oh, sure. Thanks again, Julie, and um, have a great day. What's left of it? Yes, thank you. You too. Okay, now it's time for you to practice your connectivity via the camera. Almost every computer has video recording capability, and you can also use your smartphone. Get in front of your computer or smartphone, and make several short videos of yourself. Use famous speeches from people like Lincoln or Churchill or maybe a a favorite famous sports coach. Have fun and practice keeping your eyes on the camera. Exaggerate your head movements. Make crazy faces while you talk. And try to get a little hand motion in. Make at least five of these short videos. 
I guarantee that when you are finished, you will feel more comfortable and relaxed in front of a camera. And that will contribute to your connection with your audience, whether it's a customer or a colleague. Check the show notes for links to Julie's books, her LinkedIn profile, and her website. Thanks again so much for listening in on our conversation today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you like this podcast, please rate it, recommend it to a friend, and or subscribe. Now go win your week. Your week.